all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello. <laughs> I'm David. I'm Rachel. <laughs> and this is all bad things. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Just getting off right. Well, you did just... Off and crawling. You did just wake up, That's so... That's true. Follow us Insta, Twitter, Facebook... Well, Insta X. Facebook. It's, it's still known as Twitter. I, I see it referenced all the time as X slash Twitter. Oh, okay. So it's... Uh, mm-hmm. Besides, who am I trying to I mean, tw- impress? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Insta, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Twitch. There you go. Blue Sky and Threads at All Bad Things Pod. Email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Join our Facebook discussion group, our subreddit, and our Discord. Do all of those things. Yes, another midnight recording. Yeah. <laughs> you will get the most uh, interaction on the email for suggestions or mm-hmm. for scripts. Mm-hmm. Or especially, you will get the most interaction, I think, on our Facebook discussion group. It seems to be the most active of all of our social meetings. Well, it's it's kind of the the easiest to have have like direct interactions between everybody. Um, well, you could have it on any of the other social yes, sites, but yes. we just tend to have more of it on that. Yes, that's that's true. But I many people do not use Facebook for true. understandable reasons. Yeah. <laughs> so. And I barely use Instagram, but that's that's a thing that tons of people use mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. So. Are you ever are on TikTok? Not really. Yeah. No, only if there's like a link to a video. Yeah. That's some. That's that's really it. I'm on it all the time. Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm more than well aware. Yes. I'm sure. I'm sure my oldest nephew is on it all the time too because he used to be like a huge. Um, what was that site that they shut down eventually? Snapchat. But it was like, no, it was like six or seven second clips. Vine. Yes. Mm-hmm. He. My nephew used to Tyler. Mm-hmm. Used to watch that all the time. Mm. So, yeah, I I bet it was a seamless transition for him to go to TikTok. (laughs) TikTok is like vines that can be up to like three minutes long. (laughs) It's a, it's vine like grown up. Yeah. It's a grown up vine. It's now, it's now taken over the entire house. Yes. Instead of just the one wall. (laughs) Yes. There you go. There you go. Ah, yes. So we have our, uh, if, if we, if it takes us long enough to record, we will be, recording an hour earlier sure we will be falling back as we record yes. what with uh daylight saving time ending maybe physically too <laughs> potentially Just falling back like if there's potentially if you're like wow this is like a four hour episode it's like the last three hours and ten minutes is just all when we just fell back <laughs> and just left the microphone on um i saw a, a very fitting a tiktok that said, so, so, and I knew this, that the Senate had passed, um, a bill. It's, it's not been passed into law. That hasn't, I don't think it's gone to the house, whatever. Um, to get rid of clock changes in the United States. Yeah, it's so fucking stupid. And stay in daylight saving time. Correct. Yeah. yeah. I've seen the, mm-hmm. I actually was just watching an argument for it yesterday like a statistical argument for mm-hmm. it that they broke down all these different they're like mm-hmm. people are more likely to be awake later in the day than they are at six in the morning so right. you don't need the the early but you know, interestingly all sorts of things like that there is a slight public health argument mm-hmm. for having it stay at standard time there is but not as much of the one as yeah, I mean well I will say the comments were very divided everyone agreed yeah. to, to get rid of to get rid of the clock but in, change but in which way yep different people said different things <laughs> yeah. people with shift work were like I don't care mm. just stop yeah I kind of don't care yeah <laughs> so I've, I've, I've done shift work for the past eight years of my life so mm-hmm. days and and months and they're just they kind of all just crash up against each other so it's yeah. like whatever or Maybe it won't matter ever at all because time this, is a concept. Well, because the the apocalypse could come. It could. 
And I'm about to unlock a new fear if you have not heard of this. Oh, there's a new apocalypse? Is that what we're talking about? (laughs) Well, well, I'll get to it. No, this is the story of the Carrington event. Have you ever heard of the Carrington event? Is it not ringing a bell? Okay. So, I'm gonna read the you know the stuff at the top, and then we'll kind of get into what we're actually meaning and why this is still a thing. Um, Okay. On September first, eighteen fifty nine, a coronal mass ejection from the sun made its way to Earth resulting in a geomagnetic storm that disrupted the planet's electrical systems and displayed stunning auroras. I mean, at that time, it wouldn't have really been that, well, I'm yeah, sure you'll get into that. You've got, you've got the basic idea. Yes. And you, you said the key thing, at that time, dot, dot, dot. Because we're talking 1859, there's no electricity. What about... At this present moment, oh, dot, would, dot, dot, so, yeah. so, it all right. fuck everything up. I, I've got, I've got a, a, a rare thing for you. You know here. what, you know what it would do, is it would send us back to 1859. Well, <laughs> so, we'll get into that. Um, this was one of the most rare of episodes in which I did not navigate to a single Wikipedia page. I also did not use ChatGPT. This is all primary sources, including the American Geophysical Union, History.com, How Stuff Works, either Live Science or Live Science, I'm guessing Live Science, (laughs) the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, NASA, Newsweek, NPR, SANSA, the South African National Space Agency, Scientific American, SciJunks, Space.com, and the paper, Tree Rings Reveal Two Strong Solar Proton Events in 7176 and 5259 BCE by Nicholas Brem et al. I am duly impressed. Uh, yes. <laughs> this is a topic that has been on my list for a very long time to do. And it kind of came back into my mind for a silly reason. So I bought a new phone uh, like almost two weeks ago. And because of various reasons, I had some issues switching. Uh, I got a, a new phone that doesn't have a physical SIM card. It just uses an eSIM card. And it was just a, a mild inconvenience. But like for that switch over... Uh, I, as a result of just a couple things, I ended up without cell service or data for like, it was honestly, it was less or about 24 hours, right? Which not really a big deal. I was so anxious. (laughs) I was so nervous not having cell service or data, like not being able to connect to the internet at absolute will. will. Yeah. Um, which is not something that's been a part of my life since maybe I was like 10, you know, (laughs) (laughs) because that's when I first started accessing the internet at 11. In 1994, eh? No. Or uh, 93? 96. 96. I'm sorry. (laughs) The hell am I doing? (laughs) I don't know. You're aging me. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, that's true because, yeah, I mean... To me, the I was I was just about out of high school when the internet kind of became a thing. Like mm-hmm. it really didn't become a thing until I was a senior in high school. Yeah, and it was so limited in what it could do. Right. That it was just kind of up to everybody's imaginations of what it might one day be. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of those imaginations fucking turned out. Mm-hmm. It's definitely sped up technology by decades. Oh, absolutely. But well, uh but yeah, at that time it was just a kind of uh-huh. clunky new thing uh-huh. and like it, maybe it'll do something, maybe it won't. Right. My sister and I were talking about it cuz she cuz I was telling her about this. I was like, you know, I was so anxious not having internet access and she she's just a couple years older than me, but she remembers like having to learn how to enter a web address. Yeah, oh yeah. Like, you know... The HTTP and all... Yeah, the... Yeah, like, where do you enter it and what browser Mm -hmm. are you using, whatever, whatever. I don't remember that. Obviously, I had to learn. 
but I was just young enough that those couple years made a difference that I don't remember learning. And they yet. barely existed, and it's been yes, it's just been ease. Of course, of for course, for the past twenty years, probably. But I just, I just think it like really highlighted to me how internet dependent I really, really am. Well, we all are. Um, so, so this topic is one that has been terrifying to me and is not for no reason. Um, because, not because of the event itself, but of what it would mean if it happened today. Uh, so that, and I, and I kind of want to give a little bit of a heads up of a trigger warning. If, <laughs> if you've trigger never warning heard, for apocalypse. well, if you've never heard of solar flares or the Carrington event, it's possible this might unlock a new fear for you because this is not, this is not a zero chance thing Correct. that we're going to be talking about. So basically if you are already kind of stressed out about yeah. vaguely gestures towards everything because there's there's a lot of things to be worried about you know you don't need this on your mind to skip this one you're fine you know? but i'm kind of getting a little ahead of myself here we haven't even talked about the original event we let alone what it could mean so or the science behind it because i'm sure that's you're into that too. oh yes Space.com helped out. We do bit. science we, on this show we do <laughs> yeah we do, we science do, we do science and shit mm-hmm so hey. we are visiting somewhere I think we haven't actually visited on the pod today in Science Ooh, Corner or on the pod before. Can I guess? Science Corner, sure. Um, Antarctica. Or no, we've been there before. Well, think about this. Coronal mass ejection, solar flares. Where in the solar system do you think we're visiting today? Well, we're visiting Earth. And, and the sun. The sun. There yes. we go. That's the, that's what yes. I was looking for. Because we have been to Earth before. The thing that makes the, gives the solar system life. Exactly. Our solar system life. Yes, so be ready to ter- to be... If you don't know much about the sun, get ready to be terrified by the sun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, it is literally... We know this. It is literally required for our existence. Yes. We are here. Can't exist without it. Yes. We are living here. Thank you, sun. Uh, but we probably don't think, and, and we think we think about it probably technically daily, right? Because it's light outside, it's dark outside, it, it helps set our circadian rhythm, all of it messes up our circadian rhythm if we're waking up, say, at midnight to mm-hmm. record a podcast, but... <laughs> Only to not really wake up because it falls back an hour. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, let's see, how does the sun work? So... The solar nebula theory posits that the sun formed around four and a half billion years ago by basically being a huge cloud of dust and gas that started to concentrate and spin and eventually became what's called a solar nebula, hence the name of the theory. I'm gesturing greatly today. I don't, I think it's to keep myself awake. It's coming through in spirit. So this started forming a star because the sun is a star. It is? I did not know that. You didn't know that, really? No. Huh? But it's not a planet, yeah. but it's a star. Yeah. How'd that homeschool education work out? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have never tried to hide that fact. I know I didn't. <laughs> I know I stopped learning things after, well, age 11, except for the internet. That's how I learned things. So you can only imagine. I mean, honestly, that's one of the few things I know about the fucking solar system. I don't, <laughs> I don't know much. I mean, it's fascinating, but it's also very sciencey, which right, very, very sciencey. There we go. That's yeah. I, I don't understand so good. <laughs> and obviously, this is all going to be incredibly oversimplified. This yes. is my own. I'm trying to eli five <laughs> yes. here. Yeah. So the this sun... is not Neil deGrasse Tyson. No. <laughs> go to Neil deGrasse no. Tyson if you want Neil deGrasse there Tyson. There you go. So the sun does have a very clearly defined structure, but it is not like a planet. It is not a solid thing per se, but it does have a core, like a core structure. This is nuts. I know. It's very weird. Um, and then that's surrounded by a radiative zone. Which is then surrounded by a convective zone. So that's like the sun's gas, gas, gaseous 
well, plasmatic, I guess, if that's a word, structure, which we'll get into. Because the sun is so strong, it creates a, an enormous atmosphere, which also has a three-part structure. The photosphere, the chromosphere, and the corona, not the beer. <laughs> just in case you were worried <laughs> which get progressively hotter the farther out it goes so in other words the corona is the hottest and what makes the sun the sun is nuclear energy massive nuclear mm-hmm. energy so the core of the sun has just like beyond strong gravitational pull it's so strong that it pulls all of us. Sure. <laughs> Every planet in our solar system. Yep. Hence the term solar system. Mm-hmm. It's because all these planets are falling in line because it's being um, acted upon by the gravitational force of the sun. So the gravitational pull of the sun's core forces hydrogen into nuclear fusion creating helium and turning the gas into plasma. So in this context, plasma is basically superheated matter. Plasma itself is sometimes considered a fourth state of matter. So in addition to gas, liquid, and solid, there's also plasma. Uh, Also, one of the best weapons you can get in Fallout 4 (laughs) is the the photon gun. Mm. It shoots plasma rays. Mm. And especially if you charge it up real hot. Oh, there you go. It'll kill somebody on like one shot pretty much. Well, well, that makes sense because this process of nuclear fusion is what creates such massive energy that we can see and feel the sun here on Earth, even though we are, and we'll talk about just how far, ridiculously far away mm-hmm. from the sun. Uh, because we travel around the sun in kind, so the Earth travels around the sun in more of an oval or an ellipse shape, not an ex- not like a, an exact circle. The distance is not completely constant that we are from the sun, but the average distance that Earth is from the sun is around how many miles do you think? I have no idea. Tens of thousands? I don't know. 930 million oh. miles. So was... That's almost a billion miles. <laughs> Samsonite of that one. <laughs> Tens of thousands. Or around 150 million kilometers. And yet, for anyone who's experienced a hot day, which at this point I think is like anyone who's never, who has ever left Antarctica, <laughs> you know, you basically have to live on Antarctica. There are people forever. there, but they're generally just research scientists. Exactly. Like, I don't think there are any native mm-hmm. Antarcticans. We know you can feel the sun, even though it's almost a billion miles away. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's pretty wild. We're at pretty much like the perfect distance from the sun. For life, yes. yes. That's part of the reason that life, life flourishes. Exactly. But it's, you know, mm-hmm. it was God. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, and that's how strong its energy is. It also speaks to how big the sun is. Its diameter is over, don't worry, I'm not going to make you guess, 850,000 million miles. That almost sounds like some, how a stoner would explain it. <laughs> Wait, 850, I said mi- million miles. Uh, that was the wrong word. 850,000 miles. I don't know why I said million miles. It's almost 1.4 million kilometers. That's, yeah. Again. Yeah. Just, so almost 100,000. We or, can't. Ugh, I, I, I can't. Well, on top logic of Logic tonight, but yeah. We just, we can't comprehend how big that is. Well, we, 850,000 we miles. You can kind of think of that in abstract. I'm but talking about the 1.4 million kilometers. Like well, that's, that's the same distance. Yeah. That's, it's the same distance, those two things. It's but that's just But still, yes, I, I, I'm with you. I I I str- I can think of like three thousand miles is roughly the distance from coast to coast in sure. the US, you know. Um, but this is many times. Yeah, imagine that. having to do that a hundred thousand times. Right. Uh, or what? No, no three hundred thousand times. No. Whatever. Because not I said 850,000 million miles. That's incorrect. 850,000 miles. So it would be like, I don't know. I'm so, I don't know why I'm so out of it. But uh, you just woke up. Yeah, that's probably it. It's like 30 times more than that. Unless I'm, I'm doing that. Anyway, it's yeah. really, really. It's really far away. And it's really big. No, it's, yes, it's diameter. There you go. Yes. 
Um, by <laughs> contrast, here we go. The Earth's diameter is just under 8,000 miles. Okay. So if you compare 8,000 to 800, yeah. so, so, which is just shy of 13,000 kilometers. So the Earth is less than 1% the diameter of the sun. You can yeah. think of it that way. Yeah. And, of course, <laughs> like most Captain Obvious statement of the year, the sun is hot. <laughs> <laughs> Especially its atmosphere, the corona, as I mentioned, the outermost part of the sun's atmosphere, not even the sun itself, Averages around 2 million degrees. Ah. Yeah. Like the atomic bomb. And guess what? That's not Fahrenheit. It's not Celsius. It's Kelvin. You got it. It's Kelvin. Yes. I tried to do a conversion from Kelvin to Fahrenheit. And it ended up in like an. It it had a a number and then it said E plus. Yeah. And I was like, what is. I'm I'm a homeschooler. What is E plus? Like. You you unwittingly just like outed a CIA agent. Like when you look that up. That's why that E plus came up. And and it, you're like jumping Jack Flash. Like you, you just, <laughs> right. You just got somebody killed. Sing with me and find the key. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. So you got somebody wounded at least. <laughs> it either is an exponent or it means Euler's number, which is like infinity. I don't know. I don't know. I did see that 200,000 degrees Kelvin is almost 360,000 degrees Fahrenheit or around 200,000 thousand celsius i don't know multiply that by 10 it's hot it's hot 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 like some places i've worked temperatures are measured in kelvin oh okay so but in like um millions of kelvin no <laughs> i didn't even know that like it's that, like, that, that was that, that physically was possible, possible right? that was even a thing mm-hmm. no I'm, ta- I'm talking about like a, you know not that <laughs> The very core of the sun is around 27 million degrees Fahrenheit, or 15 million Celsius, which just sounds like you're making it up. It just sounds hyperbolic, yeah. but it's, it's actually true. So now that we know some more stuff about the sun, it's big, it's far away, it's <laughs> the, hot. The sun and shit. Yeah. <laughs> Creating nuclear energy and plasma. We can talk about when things happen to, on, or around the sun that don't typically happen all the time. So now we're going to talk Solar flares, coronal mass ejections, and electromagnetic storms. I bet the ladies want to hear about the coronal mass injections. <laughs> injections? Did injections, you say? Injections. Injections. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> so in order to even start to understand some of these phenomena, you have to talk about electromagnetic energy, which... I personally find quite intimidating, but then again, I once had the unmitigated gall to try and explain nuclear fusion and fission. So, uh, yeah, so uh, I feel that this endeavor is not without precedent. So, electromagnetic energy is also called electromagnetic radiation, and it is everywhere. It sure. literally surrounds mm-hmm. us constantly. We have our own energy fields. Yes. As, mm-hmm. as humans. Yeah. Uh, so as the name suggests, it is the interaction and connection of electricity and magnetism. And of course, there are many atom level details of what literal electromagnetic radiation is. But the gist of it is this type of energy moves in waves And these waves include gamma rays, x-rays, the visible spectrum of light, ultraviolet light, infrared light, microwaves, and radio waves. And they move at the speed of light. Mm. So there we go. The amount of these waves that are visible, which is the visible light spectrum, is literally just like a fraction of the total spectrum of electromagnetic radiation. Now, of course, the reason I'm even mentioning electromagnetic radiation is because that is the form the energy from the sun takes and gets to us here on Earth. Mm-hmm. It's electromagnetic radiation. And like I mentioned, ultraviolet light, right? UV rays. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's part of what sunblock and sunglasses are meant to protect us from, right? Because it's coming from the sun. That's that's part of that energy, And the sun itself is full of this electromagnetic energy, making the sun like a very active, dynamic place full of magnetic fields that are constantly changing. About once once every 11 years or so, 
is something called the solar cycle, not to be confused with soul cycle. <laughs> Do you know what soul cycle is? I don't. Know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a cycling club. Oh. Like a, a goofy. Anyway, it was. Anyway, it's. That's you mean it's it. a goofy <laughs> cycling club? No, no way. <laughs> so once every 11 years or so, the sun flips its poles. So north becomes south and south becomes north. Because again, electromagnetic magnetism. Uh, for a few years after that flip happens, the magnetic field of the sun kind of stabilizes. And then as the poles begin to shift towards their shift again, um, things get more and more unstable in the electromagnetic field hmm. as that's getting ready to happen. This is all so weird. And so, like... Sure. <laughs> well, it's difficult to, like, No, get, no, no. I'm, right? it's, yeah, that's exactly... Yeah. Um, and part of the natural instability of the sun's magnetic fields during solar cycle is the appearance of sunspots. Yeah. Have you ever heard of sunspots on the sun? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if any, like, uh, astronomers or physicists just happen to be listening to oh, us... Oh, we apologize. Their ears are bleeding right now. Mm-hmm. Like It looks like uh, it looks like scanners for them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we apologize profusely. I apologize yes. profusely. It's just... This is uh, what behalf, I could figure out. On behalf of humanity. Yeah. <laughs> so spo- sunspots are observable parts of the sun that appear darker than the rest of the sun because... Relatively speaking, they are much cooler than the rest of the sun. Not cool. (laughs) Objectively, mind you, just cooler. Um, While it would kind of seem that these relatively, like, cool spots are maybe somehow less volatile than the more average hotter parts of the rest of the sun, these sunspots are actually areas of incredibly strong magnetic fields that have sort of bubbled up to the sun's surface. They're so strong that they keep some of the heat from closer to the core of the sun from making its way to the visible surface, which is why it appears darker and cooler, because it's blocking the magnetic field. Or it's blocking the uh, the heat is what it is. And it is a magnetic field. Because the sun is so mobile and dynamic in its composition, what can happen in these sunspots is that there is a very sudden shift in this strong magnetic field that produces a massive explosion of electromagnetic radiation. And that's called a solar flare. Okay. So we learned sunspots and solar flares now. Also depicted in the the classic Nicolas Cage film, Knowing. I've never heard of that. Yeah, it came out in like 2008. (laughs) Okay. Surprisingly has like one of the more realistic plane crash scenes you'll ever see in a movie like it's it has like a real it's like a holy shit that looks so fucking real plane crash in the movie what what is this film about it is about a solar flare a solar flare really okay you don't get to that until the very end of the movie and like the very end of the build-up to the end was going one way and then the end wound up being like this vague scientific thing you were just like huh was it that the plane crashed because of uh, losing... No, it was like, it's... it was a series of events that happened because of the solar flare, and it was like... Yeah, 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 that's yeah. what I'm saying, because aviation is one of the areas that solar flares interferes with. Was that the idea? I think so. Okay. Yeah. So... Yeah, we'll, we'll have to check it out. The 2008 film, Knowing, maybe deals with... It, it No, it definitely deals this with This exact thing. Flare. Yeah. Oh! I didn't know that. Yeah, but, but I'm uh, but unfamiliar the... with Nicolas Cage's entire canon. But at... The film ends with them uh-huh. going to a different planet. Spoiler alert. Going to a different planet. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Like, the end is teed up one way, and then it just goes this completely huh. opposite direction. Like sci-fi? So now that you know that there's an excellent plane crash scene, and it ends on another planet, there's all sorts of fun stuff that happens okay. in between then. So we'll, all right. It might be free on YouTube at this point. Right. Is is Nicolas Cage at Peaknik Cage? He's at the it? he is at the very end of his first run as like a box office star. Mm-hmm. Because shortly after that, then he had like that ten year of like doing. He'll take any film. Like all the movies, including the new Left Behind reboot. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And then came out with a movie a couple years ago that just re that got him right back into the like proper yes. films. Again. And now he's back in like as an. Now he's like an A-lister again. Huh. So. 
His career is quite interesting. To me, I've always thought he's a fantastic actor. I've, I've always thought of him that way. He, it seems that he he does not half-ass his acting. Man, he gets into his roles. He tries. <laughs> he really tries. You cannot... He doesn't try. No, he succeeds. Like, he really... <laughs> like, the B and C tier actors, they try. <laughs> you know. And that was Nick Cage corner. <laughs> yes. I mean, watch Leaving Las Vegas. You're like, oh, the guy is a, a full-blown alcoholic. <laughs> And he, he's just acting. There you go. Um, uh, I was going to discuss how I learned this week that 98 Degrees, <laughs> oh, the, band? the boy band, yeah. um, has... Like the Fahrenheit? Yes. <laughs> had, like, basically somebody's dad in it. Like, D- the band. They? So, oh. I don't know if you've Somebody ever in seen... the band was a dad? Or no, he, was one of their he dads? looks like some random middle-aged man. But he's always been in the band. His name is Justin Jeffrey. And he looks... <laughs> <laughs> Clearly his first and middle name, I hope. Like, which of these men, if you look at just the Wikipedia page of this band... Which we're, of these we're talk, men We're doesn't... talking about the Nick Lachey band? Yeah. Okay. Which of these men doesn't belong? Oh, God, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, he does stand out. There's he looks this random. He looks. He, he literally looks like somebody's dad got on stage. Yes, I showed it to my sister because, uh, of course, I've never really looked at. Same. Same. Like, how the hell did he get in there? It's Nick Lachey, right, as the front guy, and That's then the two only guys guy who looked like Nick Lachey. Probably, sure. Well, no, no, no they did, right? Yeah. Well, they were all wearing, you sure. know, That's what I mean. uh, yeah. tank tops, and they, they didn't had, really like, stand out. Biceps yeah. and everything, and then there's just like some schlub <laughs> in the co- lined up. Now, look, I'm sure that. he's a great singer, no, but it's his hairline. He and was. He didn't necessarily. It's his hairline with at, the yes. goatee. Yes. Is like the dead giveaway. It's like, dude, you're like 35. His he had a receding hairline. Yes, and they still had him. You can't have that in a boy band. And he did not have the biceps, and they still had him wearing that tank top. Hey, hey, props to him. Like, I I wouldn't have gone out there with those dudes. But but how did no one point out that 98 degrees has? You know what? Degrees had someone dead. He must have been like the best singer. I guess. He had to have been. Why, why Why else would he be there? So now 98 <laughs> Degrees, 98 Degrees plays like Epcot and stuff. Oh, man. Like, you know, like these old, now that millennials have grown up, like we have, some of us have some money and like can afford to go to Epcot and watch 98 Degrees like while we eat, <laughs> apparently. As a choice. Yes. Not sure why you'd make that. But. And the guy is still in the band. Yeah, why not? He's like 55. He's, he He's like whatever. He looks like someone's dad now. He probably is someone's Probably somebody's dad, granddad maybe. at this point. Anyway, Google Justin Jeffrey. It's J-E-F-F-R-E. Yes. <laughs> well, of course it is. Yes. So, We were talking about flare. a solar flare. <laughs> and somehow 98 Degrees got involved. How'd that happen? Uh, uh, Nicholas Cage is yes. how that happened. That's I don't true. know. So just like hurricanes and tornadoes, there is a classification of intensity when it comes to solar flares, and it's not as intuitive as, like, Category 1, Category 2, Category 5, all that. And I'm sure it's something that happens on, like... All the time. Yeah. But so so the classification... But to the degree. Right. To the 98 degrees. <laughs> to the 98 degrees. To, to the Fahrenheit. The classification... Fahrenheit and the Kelvin. <laughs> the Celsiuses. The cl- Celsii. The classifications, <laughs> Jimothy, from least <laughs> to most intense are A class, B class, C class, M class, and X class, which sounds like either grades or Mercedes. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'm glad, I'm guessing if we experience an X class one, then we get the X men. <laughs> well, it is it is radiation, right? So the order of magnitude of each of these classes of flares works like the Richter scale for measuring earthquakes, and each step up in the classification indicates a tenfold increase in the energy output. So a B-class solar flare has ten times more mm-hmm. the energy than A, etc. Which is... It's all very scary. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when we're talking like ten times of a Kelvin. Or, well, or a rate... Whatever. We're talking it's, ten, just a, it's, it's a lot. I'm talking ten times of science before the other science. <laughs> There you go. That's it. That's a lot of science. 
But just like we don't have a classification higher than a Category 5 hurricane doesn't mean we can't get hurricanes way more powerful than a True. Category 5, right? Lately, there's been a couple where they're like, oh, we like need maybe a six. we need a Category yep. 6 mm-hmm. for this one. So With the tornadoes, too. Yep. There can definitely be X-class flares that are orders of magnitude stronger than other X-class flares. So there's kind of no upper limit to this. The A, B, and C-class flares, in general don't really interact with Earth's atmosphere in any really significant way. But that's not always the case with stronger and M-class flares and with X-class flares. These solar flares can produce what is called a coronal mass ejection, or CME. There are pictures of coronal mass ejections, or CMEs, through telescopes. And it literally looks like the sun is spitting out, like there's stuff there's sun coming out of the sun it's it's very odd so when there's a cme it's not just a huge release of electromagnetic radiation it includes plasma and particularly strong magnetism cmes can then disrupt the earth's own magnetosphere because something i learned the earth has a magnetosphere (laughs) It sounds well, made that, up, that, but well, it No, that it makes is. sense because of the poles. It, yeah, the Earth yeah. is a significant planet. It yeah. has a magnetic field, sure. too, right? That, On, that's part of the struggle of space adventures getting out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Coming back into it, like, you just have to have the proper speed and the... Well, that's the atmosphere. Correct. But yes. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So on Earth, we frequently observe the effects of the sun's electromagnetic interference in the Earth's magnetosphere in the form of the aurora borealis, or northern lights. Aurora borealis comes in view. Bora comes in view. That's and I, and I ran. ran. I ran so far. <laughs> yeah, okay. Gotta get away. <laughs> Um, why isn't a Southwest Airlines used that wanna get away? You know, they could they they might, use they, that. Yeah, they, anyway. they might not have wanted to pay for the licensing. That could be. Yeah. Um, so the the cause of the Northern Lights and Aurora's like the Northern Lights is the I've interference of the sun. Oh, it's abs- gorgeous. To of see. course. And I definitely wanna see yeah. it someday. But the cause of it is the interference of the sun in the sure. Earth's electromagnetosphere or magnetosphere. Um, and Jesus. <laughs> sure. <laughs> the analogy that is used it, uh, when trying to describe how the aurora borealis or northern lights or auroras um, are created is to think of the sun as pulling on the Earth's magnetosphere like a rubber band. Sure. And then it snaps like it lets go and snaps back into place and it creates something called Alphavan waves. Thousands of miles in the atmosphere, which travel like ridiculously quickly back towards the earth, then hit nitrogen and oxygen molecules in the upper atmosphere, eventually creating a visible light display that people, me included, will literally travel thousands of miles to see. I hope to get to Svalbard one day and get to see them. Svalbard. The reason it primarily happens at extreme latitudes near the poles is because they're the geomagnetic poles. That's where the pole is coming from. With higher concentration of magnetism. Yeah. So overall, what results in the northern lights is a very mild version of what is called a geomagnetic storm. In fact, much like the solar flares and other storms, the geomagnetic, geomagnetic storm has a scale too, Though this one is a little more sensical, it goes from G1 to G5, lowest to highest. Light displays like the northern lights are cool, very cool, Happen wow. have happened countless times mm-hmm. throughout history, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like I said, people will literally travel to it. I hope to see them one day. But one particularly strong geomagnetic storm that happened in 1859 gave us a little bit of a preview of what can happen when things escalate quickly between the sun and the earth and what the implications are to the modern world, um, which are, in my opinion, <laughs> quite terrifying. So so now we get to the actual Carrington event. Oh, that's right. Something happened. <laughs> yeah, something happened. In 1859, 
The sun was nearing the end of a solar cycle, and as a result, things were picking up in terms of magnetism with the sun, within the sun, with the sun, with the sun, I don't know. Within the sun. Ah, within the sun. Astronomers, <laughs> it is amazing how much just like getting to sleep 30 minutes before you wake me up and, and we record will just like completely throw off my brain. <laughs> uh, the reason, uh, okay, hold. astronomers were keeping their eye on the sun. Don't do this, by the way. Don't look at the sun. It's very true. It can harm your eyes. Yes, don't do what Donald Trump did. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. God. <laughs> There is special equipment to look at it safely because, yes, it will harm your eyes and eyesight if you look at the sun with the naked eye. So the reason astronomers were observing the sun was because of the number of visible sunspots, which was increasing. They were observing that it was increasing. Later that month, this is, uh, I didn't even put it in the month. This was August of um, 1859. There was also an especially unusual spotting of the Aurora Borealis in Florida. No shit. Yeah, wow. that's not normal. That's... You don't see the northern lights near the equator. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, it's near the equator, so it's almost literally like halfway. It's split it's, right in the middle between the two poles. It's not at all near the poles. pole. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Wow. So basically, yeah, the, if, if you want to go looking for the northern lights, you don't go to Florida. <laughs> you don't go south for it. I remember how weird uh, we had that, well, the same one I was talking about, Trump, that he looked at, mm -hmm. that solar eclipse. Mm -hmm. But I remember being at work when that was happening. Everybody knew it was going to happen. So we all had, like, the uh, little special... cardboard or whatever. Yes. Uh -huh. And uh, I just remember how weird all the shadows looked. Yes. That was, that's like the there one was, thing I remember. There was I a solar eclipse in, in, on the West Coast or Midwest and West Coast Yeah, they Coast happened recently. here and there, mm -hmm. yeah. And and people got some amazing pictures. It looks like looked like little crescent Yeah, moons. it's Yeah, yeah it's, mm -hmm. it was really like, it was really cool. And like, mm -hmm. what the hell is that? Yeah. Oh, it's a shadow. Mm -hmm. And they were like everywhere. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yep, it, it, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, so at this point in history, this is 1859, we're sure not in the dark ages of human civilization, right? We've already had a wave of the Industrial Revolution. I was just going to say, like, what brings us into the modern time, like, the only thing that connects that time and our time mm -hmm. is the Industrial it, Revolution is just underway. Right, like, the first part of it, mm -hmm. there's about to, there's going to be a second wave after this. Oh, and but a third yeah. and a fourth. And oh, a, yeah. And a, but, yes. but, yeah, we're not in the era of electricity is everywhere, also right? Also, the, uh, the telegraph is also invented at this point, too. It, yes, it was invented a little before mm -hmm. this. Um, so when it comes to the world's reliance on electricity at this time, it was still very early days. It, it was it was still in the before when, when you had um, the early sciences which of chemistry and alchemy, too, is, is going mm -hmm. on. That mm -hmm. whole battle of what's what. Uh, uh-huh. So... There were technically light bulbs, but they were arc lamps. The incandescent bulb was yep. still a couple decades from being uh, patented. The main electric system in place in some parts of the world, at least, was the telegraph, the mm -hmm. electric telegraph. Well, starting on August 28, 1859, telegraph lines started experiencing difficulties with some That's just becoming crazy. completely inoperable. Yep. I wonder what messages they were getting. <laughs> In some instances, telegraph machines started sparking and setting fire to paper nearby. Sure. At least... And the buildings that they were housed in, too, probably. Yeah, but potentially, yeah. At least one telegraph operator in Washington, D.C. was apparently severely shocked by, according to a witness, an arc of fire... That jumped from telegraph equipment to his head. Okay. So, and, and mind it's you, a great description. Like basically, all that is being observed is like, like auroras in weird spots. It's and in then Florida, just, for fuck's sake. Yeah, and then just telegraph equipment sparking randomly, like yeah, super weird. In the meantime, one of the astronomers noting the sun's changes at this time was 33-year-old Cambridge-educated Richard Christopher Carrington. On the morning of Thursday, September 1st, he was at his country estate outside of London. He had a private observatory at his estate. He went to the observatory to look at the sunspots with his telescope. As he was looking, he saw what he described as, quote, 
two patches of intensely bright and white light, end quote, that were observable for several minutes. What he was seeing, but didn't know that he was seeing, was a huge coronal mass ejection. Wow. Yeah. And these are observable. These are visible sure. with the right equipment. Now, if there's one thing light is known for, it's it's very famous for traveling very, very fast. Yes. <laughs> but it still had to make a 930 million mile trip from the sun to the earth. Sure. Which it did throughout that day. Overnight, between September 1st and se- September 2nd, more telegraph systems the world over began to fail. Waves of it coming. Mm-hmm. And while this was obviously a major disruption to the world, e- even to a kind of early communication system, the biggest observations were made with the naked eye. Huge and incredibly bright auroras appeared all over the world to the point that birds began chirping in the middle of the night because they thought it was the morning. It was <laughs> sure. so bright. And people started waking up and getting dressed and going into work at, like, the dead of night because they're like, <laughs> because, the, sun's oh, the sun's out. out. Nope. nope. It was these these auroras. That's, That's how bright they were. Um, and, and, of course, there were also those who thought it was the end of the world. <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> Which I'd like to think was sort of an old-timey thing, but. If you're seeing this. But there is 100% a not insignificant contingent who would still believe that today if that happened. (laughs) Well, I mean, you're seeing something that's, especially at that time. Inexplicable. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That nobody's ever documented before. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I mean, there are people that are going to, oh, it's Jesus. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Basically, if, if we start seeing auroras in places they shouldn't be. We're experiencing right. an, an, a coronal mass ejection slash unusual geomag- geomagnetic storm. Well, it's storm. like it's like biblical events, you know, stuff like that. Like right. we're talking about volcanoes that happened right three thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. Of course, they thought it was like the hand of God, right? Because there wasn't a volcanologist, right? Three thousand years ago, people couldn't there was, explain. There it. were barely geologists and astronomers and stuff. So, so it, there was a story to explain it. Of, mm-hmm. of course, and you're like, mm-hmm. what am I seeing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. oh my god it's true like the what was in the bible yeah of course this is all pretty wild no doubt but aside from like this telegraph mayhem and these auroras in the sky that was the extent of what happened like that was the effect sure. and it ended right it, it ended after a few hours it wasn't like this lasted forever and Things got interfered with. Most of the main issue was the telegraphs, sure. right? But that was really all there was to interfere with. This is 1859, right? So now we're getting to the scary part, <laughs> which is day. that that's not where we are now. Yeah. So the Carrington event was not the first time a solar flare interfered with the Earth's geomagnetism, nor was, was it the last time it did so. So based on research done in tree ring, on tree rings and ice cores, scientists believe that there's evidence of prior major geomagnetic storms in 7,176 BCE and 5,259 BCE. If we fast forward a bit, there was also a large storm in 775 CE or AD. Of course. But it's important to note that Not every year has been analyzed to see if there were events like this. So as of 2021, only around 16% of the past 12,000 years or so have been analyzed to see if there was a geomagnetic storm on this scale. So we don't know about like 84% of years because it still hasn't been studied. It's in the process of being studied. So it is entirely possible that it's much more common than happening thousands or hundreds of years apart. Um, and of course, when looking back, it's easy to see that the lack of disruption to general life that these major geomagnetic storms caused, right? So really, like if you go back before really electricity, most of the issues would have been people observing auroras. Sure. And that's it. Yeah. Although... There is also um, disruption in some instances to like migratory birds because they use geomagnetism for location. So there could be interference with that. But for humans, that's, you know, it's not as easily observed. We we get up to go to work at three in the morning. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Thinking it's like nine. But that's, 
again, like think of, think of your rhythm back then, your bodily rhythm, like, oh, the mm-hmm. sun's up. Mm-hmm. Like it's between this time and that time. Yep. Like in your mind, you don't even necessarily have a time. Right. You know, it's just like, oh, I'm supposed to do this now. Right. And you don't have an alarm clock. No. <laughs> you know? So. No, you get, you've got Aurora Borealis. Right. <laughs> and like the regular sun. Mm-hmm. So we do get a little bit of, actually we get a lot more of a glimpse of what it could mean for a modern world by looking past the Carrington event. So from May 13th to May 16th, 1921, there was a significant disruption to Earth due to multiple coronal mass ejections. So one of the interesting features of this event was that once a couple of coronal mass ejections, CMEs, had traveled through the atmosphere, it paved the way for another CME that happened shortly after that to travel here faster. So if there is a I see, series it already, of CMEs, it already, left a, it already yeah. left a trail. Basically, yeah. So if there are multiple CMEs, they can start getting here faster. Basically, now since it was 1921, electricity had come much farther along. Sure. Than it had been in 1859, the storm caused mass disruptions to telegraph and telephone systems all over the world. Interestingly, in some instances. It messed with radio signals and interfered and made them weaker. And in some instances, it made them stronger. It just depended on where and what. But people noticed that they were able to, like, reach parts and, and tune into parts of the world that they would never have been able to <laughs> You're, like, before. in Texas, and you're, like, and somebody answers, right? somebody like, answers the little ham radio going, right. <laughs> going we... Yeah, right. Exactly. Who's in France? On the extreme side of things, there were also some major fires when electrical electrical equipment sparked, which is what caused the most damage and posed the most danger to life and property. On Monday, March 13th, 1989, a huge CME spread auroras as far south as Cuba. Well, so, that's why nobody noticed. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> like Kiwi was already in the dark, so to speak. Well, well, this actually caused a lot of concerns because some people thought they what they were witnessing was nuclear, and this is nineteen eighty nine. So you yeah. know, <laughs> um, like the Russians and the Americans are back. Mm, Shit. The geomagnetic storm did cause some disruptions to some satellites, though, since it was 1989, there was only a fraction of satellites in orbit than what's out there now. Listen to this. In 1989, there was, I think, 416 satellites in orbit. I honestly wouldn't have guessed that many. You know how many there are as of 2022? Ten times that many? Almost 7,000. Holy shit. So that's how exponential... That's wow. how exponential, yeah, satellite. I, I did has watch a been. whole episode on a National Geographic channel on space junk. Yeah, it's like a big mm-hmm. part of it is all the satellites, mm-hmm. the are... defunct ones. Mm-hmm. There were disruptions to various power grids in North America. A transformer was destroyed at a nuclear power plant in New Jersey. That's not good. No, <laughs> but nothing happened. Sure, but uh... the hardest hit, however, were les habitants. The entire Hydro-Quebec power grid crashed, and it cut power to 6 million people in Northeast Canada for up to 12 hours. Yeah, that's uh, that's a lot. I wonder if you dug back in your memories if you'd remember that, because that was not far from you. Yeah, we might have been caught up in that. Like, who knows? I don't... What what time of year was this? March 1989. I I don't know. Where were you on March 13, 1989? (laughs) Then, about 20 years ago, in October, late October of 2003, there was another huge solar flare that caused blackouts in Europe. It destroyed transformers in South Africa and kind of wreaked havoc in space. So, ISS astronauts were warned to shelter from radiation because they're up there in space, right? And an unmanned spacecraft lost lost power due to its solar panels blowing out. It went, went defunct. Thank God it was unmanned. Yes. A bunch of planes also had to be rerouted. Oh, yeah, my God. Mm-hmm. So the major impact was financial. There, there was not necessarily a physical destruction or anything. But this all leads us to the most consequential questions to those of us around now. What would happen today 
2023 or beyond in our world that is so much more dependent upon electricity, satellites, and the Earth's magnetosphere than it ever has been before. And the best news is, of course, that we have lots of very smart people who actively monitor sunspots, uh, solar flares, CMEs. We've got our eyes on the sun. Not literally, or they'd all be blind, <laughs> but... Because the sun's energy has 930 million miles to travel, it takes hours. So you can monitor it. We would have a decent, we do have a decent heads up when geomagnetic storm is headed our way. There is actually a notification system that includes... That's good. Yep, includes aviation, right? Because that Absolutely. can really mess with aviation. You don't want planes literally all of a sudden falling out of the fucking sky. Well, it's largely it's communication sure. related. but And and if you're fly, flying near the poles. Right, so. yeah. Um, so you want to give planes... somebody a heads up, like these waves are coming in the next right. couple hours, everybody needs to get on the ground. You yeah. Know, that kind of shit. Um, they have systems for you know, notifications for communications, for power grids, all that. But the fact remains that something along the intensity of a Carrington event, because those other events that I listed, the 1921-1989-03, those were not as powerful as the Carrington event. Yeah. Right? The Carrington event is kind of like our benchmark of the largest um, uh, geomagnetic storm that we've experienced in recorded history, you know. Um, the So the fact remains that something along the intensity of a Carrington event could cause some major issues on Earth. In 2013, of course, who's interested in stuff like this? Insurance companies. Lloyd's of London <laughs> analyzed what might happen in what they called a, quote, major space weather event on the scale of a Carrington event, end quote. Hmm. The report they issued predicted it could lead to weeks-long power outages, water supply issues, because when you don't have electric pumps for water... You can have problems getting water to people, sewer backups, and food shortages. Uh, plenty of very valid concerns also exist for satellites, which could suffer extensive damage. And playing right into the fears I expressed at the top of the episode about a lack of internet, some fear it could result in an internet apocalypse. Uh, Due yeah. to undersea cables between countries being knocked out, resulting in disruptions in internet service for weeks or months or more. Beyond the obvious infrastructure concerns, there's also a very real threat to data. The possibility of a large-scale event causing irreparable damage to irreplaceable data like medical records sure. and bank records and things like that. Not to mention... If power, I mean, just even at the most basic level, if power goes out and there's nothing anybody can do for weeks or months, if you have, if you're on a ventilator, if you yeah. get sick or get hurt, I, like, they, there's a lot of people could die as a direct and, and immediate result. Also, we haven't had pacemakers, for example, around during one, during That's something true. this major, what would happen to people with pacemakers? I mean, there's a very real possibility that could harm or kill many people so the possibilities of what exactly would happen vary widely based on the severity of the event we have some idea of the scale of disruptions of something like the carrington event or the events of 1921 1989 and 2003 but of course we don't have a frame of reference of what would happen if an even stronger geomagnetic storm were sparked which though not as likely as a less intense storm, is certainly not impossible. It's one of those, the chance is not zero, and that's very uncomfortable, right? right? It's like an Oppenheimer where he's like, mm. so the atmosphere right. catch fire? What are the odds? He's like, well, it's not zero. <laughs> right, and that's very concerning, <laughs> yes. So it is a very real concern of what would happen with our entire electrical and communication system wiped out. It is entirely possible the so-called zombie apocalypse we've all feared couldn't be caused not at all by zombies, but by the sun. So, of course, ultimately, here's the kicker. We will learn one day what this event will be like. Yeah. If history shows us anything, it's that coronal mass ejections will continue to occur for as long as the earth and sun both exist. 
And the sun is expected to live for about another 5 billion years. Is that it? Yeah. And uh, that will wind up being a very large number of storms indeed. Even more interestingly, to put it mildly, for our application, we are recording this in November 2023. And the sun seems to be working on a bit of an accelerated solar cycle right now. It is expected to reach its period of maximum activity between January and October 2024. Oh. In other words, starting in a couple of months, the sun's hitting its peak solar activity. Means it's at its most unstable magnetically. Means it's at the highest risk mm-hmm. of solar flares and coronal mass ejections. And it is also estimated that this solar maximum will be stronger than it was previously estimated to be. Now, this is apparently very good news for anyone interested in the the next total solar eclipse. That's going to happen on April 8th, 2024. Because it's possible that some observers with the right equipment might actually be able to see plasma loops extending from the sun. Jeez. Of course, it may also mean a better chance at our generation's own Carrington event, or much worse. All we can do is wait and see. And that, my friends, is New Fear Unlocked, the Carrington event. So that science book on how to string a telegraph together, which is something we might need if mm-hmm. the internet gets knocked out. <laughs> Go ahead and check that out from the library. Just And just hang on to it. <laughs> Don't ever check it back in. Pay the late fees. You won't have yeah. to, perhaps, because yeah. they won't be able to keep track of when you got yeah. it. So we'll be stringing a wire through a can, like, in no time. But, hey, it's doable. We've done it before. So, uh, so yeah, you just go from the light ages to the dark ages again. And then, you know, it's a, it's a rinse and repeat. So solar flares and coronal mass ejections are, and geomagnetic storms are something I've always had a little bit of a concern about sure. and after this i have a lot of concern yeah about i'm uh, i'm not flying next year <laughs> to again, anywhere yeah. again they'd have a heads up yeah they would they would know yeah. and be able to reroute planes the or so a you th- lot or so you think <laughs> a lot of the primary concerns expressed of course because of the society we live in were financial right because you can reroute a plane that costs thousands of dollars mm-hmm. right and and those disruptions cost money. I don't care about the fucking money, you know. I would care about what happens to an entire global society with that is so dependent on power that could potentially lose its power. Now, there are, like I said, there are plans and notification systems. They can also, like, do things like selectively power down grids. Oh, sure. Um, selectively power down uh, satellites, you know, so there might be brownouts, disruptions, but it could preserve the grid, you know? It wouldn't be a, like a mass event. Right. Like how we're kind of picturing in our heads in right. the worst way. Really, the worst case scenario would be a geomagnetic storm on a level we've never experienced and therefore... Don't know how to fix. Couldn't, we couldn't power down stuff enough yeah. to stop it. Like, it would just be too strong. Yeah. That would just fuck everything up. Um, and then you know, fires are also a very real risk, starting from back in the Carrington event days, like shit caught on fire. Sure. Because these machines would literally just spark. They would. Um, for what it's worth, I did read, they said that the chances of like, because people were like, um, will our cell phones just like explode in our hands? <laughs> They're like, no, no, not really. Uh... It's, it's mostly like high concentrations of power. Transformers. Um, yes. You know, a, a certain electrical equipment, stuff like that. Not like, they're like, you, you, don't worry. That'll be the least of your concerns yeah, is your cell phones. <laughs> now your cell phone may be completely useless, but. It, it most certainly, you know, most likely will be in that, mm-hmm. in that circumstance. But yeah, that place you don't know how to get to. Well, you're not you're getting not there kidding. now. <laughs> <laughs> and you may not even be able to like follow the North Star because you can't yeah, see through and, the and you auroras. And you certainly can't read a map. <laughs> fucking loser (laughs) but yeah i mean this uh i mean it is like a 
it's a scary possibility. Like it's, again, it's so minuscule. Well, here, it's, here's it's like the, the thing. atmosphere getting caught on fire. It's, and, yeah. Well, yeah. So the truly catastrophic part of it is a very minimal possibility. Right. Localized disruptions are a guarantee. They're going to happen. Yeah, yeah. it did happen. It sure. has happened. It has yeah. happened in modern times. It will happen again. Um, if it happens on the scale of like two thousand three, you know, maybe Quebec will lose power. Maybe a, a major metropolitan area again, will lose we, power, we weren't which as, is bad. But and we weren't as nearly reliant on the internet in mm-hmm. two thousand three as we are now. The internet wasn't really mobile in two thousand three. Right. Yeah, it's. Mm-hmm. Now it's, what do you mean you don't have the internet? Right. You know. Mm-hmm. So. And, you know, not for nothing, but, like, these events tend to happen at the end of these um, solar cycles. And we're at the end of a solar cycle. Yeah. So it's possible. It'll be really interesting if something does happen. Well, we'll be know. watching. <laughs> Was it that, uh. I followed, I followed NASA on Instagram. Yeah. They'll tell us. <laughs> if, if you can access Instagram, That's they true. sure will. Yeah. If they can access they Instagram. Can and if they can, that means that they did it. Right? <laughs> can you, I mean, can you imagine if fucking conspiracy oh, theorists get their hands on this shit? Like, we, we've got to, we've got to keep this one low key. You know what? I can only hope they're actually wearing their tinfoil hats. So hopefully the, their tinfoil hats will gives, spark. Gives them a shock. <laughs> Like a like a Jesus. like a you know like a jump start like the sun is getting <laughs> like a, oh my god yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's just, it's pronounced nuclear yeah <laughs> um someone on a podcast said ironically and they meant it um strategery and it just it just <laughs> yeah, brought so me back to the early two thousands man. <laughs> Oh, that remember that people clown. still people still say nuclear. Nuclear. Pe- people still yeah. say that. It's yeah. because he said it so many fucking times. That people think that's how it's pronounced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, so check out the movie Knowing. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Apparently. Pretty sure that's the name of it. Knowing. I think, I think it is. I've never heard of it. Yeah. I'll find it and put the trailer out. Okay. Actually, you know, that'll be the little subtle clue. There you go. <laughs> that no one will get, because it doesn't mean yeah. anything. That nobody's seeing. They're like, there's a Nicolas Cage movie? I'll put a picture of 98 Degrees. There you go. <laughs> yes. No, just the guy, Justin Jeremy. Just, Justin Jeffrey. <laughs> Justin Jeffrey. Justin Jeremy. That was close. Double J. Oh, he's still around. It's so, it's so funny. Anyway. Every, <laughs> America's dad. That's the picture degrees. That's the picture to go with. Okay. We'll put that up as a hint. And it will make no sense. It will throw fucking everybody off. Of course, because it means nothing in this context. So. <sighs> that was uh, Aurora Borealis Comes to View. Uh, by, uh, <laughs> no. That was the Carrington event. And this has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week.